All right, good morning, everybody. It's hard to get warm today. Gee whiz. It's chilly outside. I feel bad for my animals. Not bad enough to do anything about it, but I feel bad for my animals. <laughs> Drove by the cows. They're just sitting there staring at you with snow on their back. I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not a cow. Gee whiz. Well, we're back in Job this morning. Um, Job 28, I believe where we are. I hope that's where we are. Um, and we'll do is we'll go. We'll get as far as we can. We can get. Um, this is a. It's a. It's a 28, 29, 30 is a very different section for me. I think for everybody, it just it just flows better. Um, and there are actually some commentators that think it shouldn't be be in there like it was added later on because of the, such a drastic change um, in the tone and the tenor and the way he's talking. And, I, you know, okay, I think some people have too much time on their hands personally. I, 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 I know people, and I've been that person who's gone through these moments where there's a lot of turmoil and everything, and all of a sudden there's this peace that comes over you, and you begin to think about things a little differently or something like that. And then maybe you go back to a little more anxiety, but then you come back to settling down a little bit. You begin to think about it some more, and that's all we're seeing here, I think. Just a, a man going through a process, and I like that. And it makes sense to me because that's how it is. So far... Um, when I'm talking to people, and maybe this is a learning disability that I have, probably I, I'm probably confessing something that I, that I don't know. I haven't been diagnosed with it yet or not. But when I'm talking to you and you give me too much information, I'm, I just kind of vanish. I'm just like, you, I don't hear you anymore. I don't mean to. I'm not being rude. I'm just like, and I'm, I started to think about that. And, and I think Job kind of hits on that a little bit, how we can only take so much information and then we've got to process it put it where it needs to go, categorize it, and then we can take in some more information and then we got to process it and all that. And I think my, my, my holding tank is about that big is, is what my problem is. So he has, first of all, gone through, I think, a stage of shock as he's had his entire family taken from him, his livelihood, his riches, his health, um, and anybody that would support him is gone now. It's just by him by himself. And what he knows of God from the past. And then he's going to talk about that a little bit today. That's all he has right now. And so that's quite a blow for any human being to take. I can't imagine what that would be like. And then his friends have come along to try to help him. And we've been reading that. And there's a lot of defensiveness and arguing and a lot of things going back and forth. But there's been no wisdom shared. It's been just a pooling of ignorance between four people, you know. Um, and, And that's... That's what it is, basically. Um, when you go to a classroom setting, a college, um, grade school, whatever it may be, um, when the teacher is speaking, you're getting the information you need, and then you can break up into study groups. You know, but all you can do in those study groups is the, the pooling of what you know or the pooling of ignorance, depending on how much you listened in class, right? And so the teacher isn't there to give you more information, to dump more in or to correct you or whatever. Any notes that you took, any, anything that you grabbed from the class, you're all together and that's all you have. That's all the information you have in that group. And you do the best you can with that information. And sometimes you're good because you had a really smart person taking notes. And sometimes you f- fail miserably in that study group because you come back to class, you realize, oh, no, no, we totally missed that section. 
you know. Well, that's what's happened here. God has been alongside Job his entire life. Job has absorbed everything God has given him for wisdom. And now he is without that source anymore, that God is not speaking to him right now. It's not that God has left him, but God is, you take and run with what I've given you. And now he's with his friends, and you see a lot of this, this struggle and this back and forth, and those guys, his friends, got half the information from Job. You know how in a, the, the game telephone, how the information degrades as you go from person to person? Well, that's what's happened. These guys that are his buddies learned from him. And I don't know that they absorbed everything. They absorbed what they could. But they only got as much as Job could give them, what, what, what he remembered. You know, it's just passed on. And so there's this four guys that are just sitting here talking. And I think we see a switch here is what I'm getting at. This section, he begins to go back to what he knows, begins to talk about the Lord. There's a peacefulness about Job here. I'm sure everything still hurts. There, he's still grieving. All that's still happening, but there's a change in him. And so he's going to go on for several chapters here, and we'll see how far we get today, but it's, uh, it's very interesting to me to read. Uh, I, let's get into it. Verse 1, Surely there is a mine for silver, and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth, and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess for ore in the darkness and the shadow of death. He breaks open a shaft away from people in places forgotten by feet. They hang far away from men. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, from it comes, from it comes bread. But underneath, it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the source of sapphires, and it contains gold dust. That path no birds know, nor has the falcon's eye seen it. The proud lions have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountain at the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eyes see, or his eye sees every precious thing. Now, we're getting a lot of information here historically of where they are. This is a very old book. And they, he's describing something that's commonplace, this mining operation that used to take, or is taking place. The ability to go into the earth and shore it up and be able to pull out from it. I mean, who was the first person to say, you know, after they dug a well, and that's probably how it all started, somebody dug a well in the right place or the wrong place, depending, they didn't find water, but they found this interesting gold vein, you know, you know. That's pretty rare. Never seen that before. And everybody thought, well, that's pretty rare. I think I'd like that. And all of a sudden, gold became valuable and, and so on, you know. But then to get ore, that's always been amazing, you know. Um, the smelting he just described here. I want to write a book about that, I think, smelting. I just thought about that. As, as I was studying this, I'm just thinking that's, that's such a great analogy for what we do with God. You go down, and that's how and I'm stealing it from Job because he's already got the wisdom and, and shared it through the book. But I'm going to make it a book and make money off of it. Um, that's all anybody does with Christian books. They just read this. They come up with an idea to rephrase it and rewrite it, and then they make money off the book. Um, 
they're digging and they're oring and they're 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 mining for this stuff and they find this rock that they want pieces of it but they don't want all of it so they decide to heat it up and as they heat it up the stuff rises to the top that they don't want the stuff they do want comes to the bottom and they scrape off the crud uh, you know and they keep doing that until it gets refined enough to where it becomes valuable to them then they find gems he's talking about gems and stones and things and man does this and he knows that and there's something about this. When you put Romans 1 together and, you know, when it talks about how um, just the natural world screams the Lord, I mean, every aspect of it, you can take any aspect of nature, anything you can observe naturally outside, and, and, and from the, the way it was made, because it was all made, the way the process was designed is teaching us something. He could have made things a million different ways, but he didn't. He made it this way. And there's always a lesson in it for us from God. There's always something there. I mean, you could write a book just on leaves. You know, you could write a Christian book on photosynthesis. You could write a Christian book on mining and oaring. And you could write a Christian book on anything out there and discover. And, and it's just that, that smelting process, which I think is what's happening here with Job. It's, he's smelting. That'll be the title of the book. Smelting. We gather right now, we're sitting here and we're, we're getting ore is what we're doing. We're getting ore from God. We're getting all the wisdom we can get from God. But at one point or another, you got to sit back and you got you to stare out the window and you got to process it. You got to smelt it. You know, you got to think it through. You got to heat it up. You got to go back and forth with it. You got to get rid of some of the stuff that's of you and keep the stuff that's of God. And you keep going over and over. And that's why we say the Bible's so deep because it is, I mean, obviously, but you go over it and you go over it and you're like, oh my goodness, it's just getting clearer and clearer. It's getting better and better. And you begin to smelt that wisdom or that, that information that God gives. That's all teachers can do. All teachers can do, all Job could do, all God can do actually for us is to give us the information. It is up to us to smelt it, to process it, to use it in our lives. And that's what he's doing here. He's thinking about all this. He says, what, what animal out there does this? He's seeing a distinction between all the animals of the earth and, and people. More and more people try to cloud that or they try to make that um, a gray area. Well, people are just a little bit above. No, no, no. We're not just a little bit above anything. We're light years ahead of everything else on the earth. There's a reason for that. God made us that way. We're made in his image. And he's recognizing that. Animals don't go and mine into the ground and they, and they pull out ore and they know how to smelt it and get it into steel so that they can make a whatever, you know. Only people do these kind of things. And so he's beginning to, to, to see this. He's, he's just talking about the wisdom of God, but he's using the natural things that he observes every single day to bring out that wisdom. This is just wisdom that we've learned and received from the Lord. It says in verse 11, he dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden, he brings forth to light. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not me. The sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir 
The precious onyx or sapphire, neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry or fine gold. No mention shall be made of uh, coral or quartz. For the price of wisdom is above rubies. The, the topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, 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 nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way and he knows its place. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind um, and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. And to man, he said, behold, this is important. The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. That comes a lot, comes out a lot in, in the scriptures. Um, in Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Proverbs 9.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, and before honor is humility. Um, way back in the garden, Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, that's the pinnacle. That's the worst part of human history. God had given Adam and Eve the choice between, well, not really a choice, just you can eat of the tree of life, but you can't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what what they struggled with was what Satan had whispered to them. They probably thought it, and he was just confirming things, but why can't we eat that? What's in it that we're not supposed to have? It sounds like knowledge is good. Wisdom is good and all that. What they were being taught was the fear that they were supposed to have in the one who's the source of all knowledge, the tree has nothing. The tree has no knowledge. The tree has no wisdom, right? It doesn't have anything in and of itself. If you get anything, it's only from God. What they learned was how to be disobedient. When they ate that fruit, what they gained from that process was evil. They learned how to be evil. They had everything. They could walk in the cool of the day with the author of all wisdom, God. And then he said, but there's this tree over there that'll give you the knowledge of good and evil. I can either walk with this person over here, the one who's the author of all wisdom, or I can eat this fruit over here, and I don't need him anymore, basically, is the idea. And so they went and ate of the fruit, and they got dumber. That's what happened. They lost, in the process of eating that fruit, all the wisdom they'd ever gained from the Lord. They lost it. They had to hide from him. They couldn't walk with him. They couldn't glean anything from him. What they gained by removing God and ignoring that fear of the Lord and going for this fruit on their own is they lost everything they had beforehand. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit. She also gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. That's what... It's the difficult thing um, for Job right now. He's talked about all the loss, right? 
He's talked about losing his kids. He's talked about losing his health. He's talked about the blessing of his friends. (laughs) He's talked about all of that, but he hasn't talked really about the loss of his fellowship with the Lord. That's what he's missing the most right now. Now, these are for two different reasons, and I don't mean to make a, a, a correlation between Adam and Eve and, and Job. Adam and Eve just flat out sinned. Job was nominated for this, okay? But Job is feeling something he's never felt before. Job is feeling loss. He's feeling that, I used to fellowship with you all the time. I used to just get wisdom, and, and he's going to describe that, what his old life was like and what it is now. And he's mourning the loss of that fellowship with God. Now, not many of us are ever going to be nominated for something like this. Thank goodness. I mean, I don't think anybody wants that. But many of us will find ourselves in the same position, maybe by our own choices that we make. By removing ourselves from the place where God is. From that fellowship that we used to thoroughly enjoy. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than to sit there and just... Let him teach you and work things out. That's my favorite part about studying. I, I know that it's, I know that it's, it's, it's for a teacher to watch a student stare out the window in class is a frustrating thing for them because, and I understand the frustration, as a teacher, you only have so much time with the child. You need their focus. You need their attention. You need to get this information into their hands. They can look out the window on their own time is the idea. But what's happening when that takes place, when the kid is staring off into space, they're doing something. They're not ignoring you. They're not bored. They're processing. They're, they're smelting. They're working it out. And that's my favorite part about studying with God. He understands that about myself. So when I'm studying and I'm reading and all of a sudden I find myself sitting on the couch like this for way too long and I'm just looking and I realize my thoughts have taken me over here and over here and back and now I'm back again and I can take some more in. I just know that about myself and he knows that about me and I get smarter. I do. I just get smarter. I understand his word better. I remember it. I don't have to have note cards to memorize God's word and stick it in my head. And, oh, oh, I forgot B. Oh, I forgot the word would. You know, I don't have to do that. It just all of a sudden becomes second nature to me. Um, God's word is in my heart now, and that process has to take place. And what Job is missing is that, is that time with the Lord where he not only gives him the information, but he also processes it with him and lets him get it into his soul, get it into his heart. He feels that emptiness, and he's trying to describe that. This this thing that can't be bought, there's only one place to find it. If I could go dig in the ground for wisdom, I'd go dig in the ground for wisdom, but you can't do that. You can't go to the sea. You can't do what you do for the resources of this world. You can't equate that to God and to his wisdom. The only place I can find wisdom is when I'm fellowshipping with him. Not just in his word. That's part of it. This is information. But when you're fellowshipping with the Lord with this information, that's when it all comes together. That's when the heat applied is applied. and and, and, and And you begin to see the value in it. You begin to understand because you're processing it and bringing it all together. I don't mean to get... Esoteric 
this morning, but some of the things that we struggle with, JC prayed hidden sins or depression or anxiety and things like that. And there's a multitude of problems that we all came to church with this morning. And yet in his word, and we say this, but I don't know that we understand the process of it. We say all, you know, everything that pertains to life and godliness is found in the knowledge of him. That's easy to say, but you've got to take the time to learn about him, to process it, to spend time with him, to fellowship with him, to take that information and work it out. And all of a sudden, when you're doing what he's called you to do, whether you understand it or not, you do it. I'm going to stay in his word. I'm going to stay in prayer. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to sing songs, even when I sound froggy when I sing. You know, I'm still going to sing. Things are happening in you. Things are getting healed. Things are happening. God is working in you, you know, when we're obedient to his word. It, it is supernatural. It isn't just natural. Natural is studying. Natural is, is memorizing. And I'm all for that. But the supernatural is what heals us and brings us back to him and that wholeness that we need to have. And Job is feeling that. I can't get wisdom anyplace else. I can't buy it. I can buy information. You can buy information. I can buy scrolls. We know the Ethiopian guy, the eunuch, he was reading the scroll in the, in the, in the, um, in the chariot. But it, it, it wasn't until Philip came alongside of him. It said, oh, let's, let's smelt this down. You know, Let's get this worked out. Ask some questions about it. Let's talk about this a little bit. Let's get this work. And by the time he's done, the guy has not just come to the intellectual understanding that needs to be baptized and saved, maybe, but his heart is in it. It's a whole different ball game when that happens. What prevents me from being baptized? There's water. Nothing. Do you believe? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and Job is talking about that. Explaining that to his friends, whether they're listening or not, I have no idea. But he's beginning to remember that wisdom, that access to God, that ability to just fellowship with him, to be under his teaching and to let him um, work that out in his life. Chapter 29, Job further continued his discourse and said, so he's paused after saying the words, behold, the fear, because the, the chapters and verses aren't there, right? You understand that? Those are added later on. So the idea is in verse 28 of, of 28, uh, to, the man, to the man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, um, that is wisdom, and depart, to depart from evil is understanding. And there's a long pause here. That's it. That fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the start. It's everything. And if I ha- don't have that, then I don't have the ability to make this information applicable to me. So Job then, after the pause, further continued his discourse and said, Oh, that that I were as in months past, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and when his light, I'm sorry, when by his light I walked through darkness, just as I was in the days of my prime, when the friendly counsel of God was over my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were around me, when my steps were bathed in, with cream, and the rock poured out rivers of oil for me, when I went out to the gate by the city, and when I took my seat in the open square, the young men saw me and hid. And the aged arose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and put their hands 
on their mouth. The voice of nobles was hushed, and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, then it blessed me. When the eye saw, then it approved me, because I delivered the poor who cried out, and the fatherless, and the one who had no helper. The blessing of a a perishing man came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind, and I was feet to the lame. I was a father to the poor, and I searched out the case that I did not know. I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from its teeth. And then I said, I shall die in my nest and multiply my days as the sand. My root is spread out to the waters and the dew um, lies all night on my branch. My glory is fresh within me. My bow is renewed in my hand. I I, I could keep going. He's going to go on for a little bit here, but he's remembering what it was like. Oh, that fellowship with the Lord, I would, he's not boasting. I mean, it kind of sounds like that. Maybe if when I'd said people would, they wouldn't even talk when I'm around, the kids would hide from me. I was so, he's not, somebody's saying everything was just flowing in his life. It was like uh, when I would, when I would run into a, he's sitting at the gates. So that tells us that he's like in leadership. He's in authority there. Um, city council, mayor, who knows what he was, but he was some sort of politician in this, in the best sense in the sense that he was leading the community in the right direction and making decisions that way. And he had such wisdom from God that everything he did made sense. It worked, and people were pleased with it. In fact, people who would normally argue with each other when Job would come around were not going to argue with him because there's nothing to really argue about. What he says is right. It works because he's got that wisdom from God. When God's counsel was over me, and it was just a friendly time, he's missing all of that. And like I said, most of us will never have this reason as to why God isn't over us anymore or we're not hearing from the Lord anymore, but we can have other reasons in our life that can cause these things to take place. There may be seasons where God wants to be quiet and wants us to, to rest on what he's already shared with us, but there are also times when through sin and disobedience, I could take myself out of that place where God can speak. And this is a prayer that I've heard maybe not with Job's motivation, but I've heard many times as a pastor from people, oh, I remember what it was like when I was walking with God. I remember what it was like. Yeah. And I don't want to necessarily make people feel better in those moments. I want them to know there's a way out of it, of course. And I tell them, you know, you just have to go back to him. You just have to begin to have that fear of the Lord again and have that fellowship with him again. But I also don't want them to say, oh, well, you know, everybody goes through that and that's just the way it is. And everybody's walks up and down. We're supposed to feel bad when we don't have the fellowship with the Lord anymore. That's supposed to leave a hole in our hearts. We're supposed to feel distant from him when we distance ourselves from him. He's not all about making us feel good in our rebellion or distance or whatever else that we put between us and him. We're supposed to feel that way. That's what conviction is. Conviction's a good thing. You wonder about pain, you know. Oh, boy, I just, I just hate pain. I hate pain. Well, pain's telling me something, you know. It's telling me to get my hand off the stove or whatever, or to move my foot out from under whatever it is that's standing on it. And I've, a lot of things are standing on my feet lately, just so you know, in the farm. Um, you wanted a horse story or whatever. Yeah, it's, they like to, they, I don't know how they find your foot with their hoof, but they find it. I mean, you could be like this and you're watching their foot and all of a sudden they'll just go, 
Wow. I mean, it, it, straight back down would have been fine, but you just reached over and it's a, it's a game they play, I'm sure. But pain tells us stuff. Pain's by design. Pain is to cause us to move in a different direction. That's okay. If we didn't have pain, we'd have leprosy. That's what leprosy is. It's the absence of the pain. It's the deadening of your nerve cells. You don't realize that you're hurting yourself anymore. And all of a sudden, things are falling off because you're not caring for your body anymore because pain's not telling you to pull your hands back or your feet or whatever. This thing that Job is feeling is a, it's a good thing. It's not caused by sin. It's not caused by disobedience or rebellion. And what he's longing for here, and I think this will help us understand the last four chapters, when God finally steps in in the book of Job and begins to speak again, and the way he speaks to Job, Job isn't disappointed. Job isn't irritated by it. Job isn't offended by what God is saying to him. Job doesn't answer back. He doesn't mouth off. He just is like, oh, you're back. That's all he cares about. And even if you're chewing me out right now, you're chewing me out right now, you know? I'll take that. I love it. That's what he's talking about. And that is what I feel and I know, and I hope you guys know that too. I'm assuming you do. That when that distance or that silence is there, it's unbearable. I want to know, you know, aren't we talking or what's happening or what do I need to do to get back to that place where that fellowship is there hanging over my tent, that friendly counsel that we used to have, God, where everything I did because I sought you first just brought forth oil from the rocks. And, you know, I think a new phrase would be the Midas touch because I listened to you. I had the Midas touch, you know, it was amazing. And that's what he's reminiscing about here. Verse 21, men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After my words, they didn't speak again. There was no, oh yeah, well what about, you know. And my speech settled on them as due. It was a blessing to hear from him. There's a quote from Spurgeon I'm going to read here. I just loved it. It is a great thing for a man to be near to God. It is a very choice privilege to be admitted into the inner circle of communion and to become God's familiar friend. Great as the privilege is, so great is the loss of it. No darkness is so dark as that which falls on eyes accustomed to the light. That's one of the things you ask a blind person. So were you blind from birth? And you're almost relieved to hear yes. Yeah. So you've never seen colors? You've never seen anything? No. It's still horrible because we know, but we're so glad that they don't know. But when someone says, no, I went blind when I was about 12, that just, there's something about that, isn't there? Because you never get to see what you were accustomed to seeing again. And that's what Spurgeon was talking about. And that's what Job is feeling right now. This beauty, this, oh, that's the worst part. Not my sores, not, not the loss of stuff or the things of this world. As much as I love my family, it's you, God. In verse 23, they waited for me as the rain. And they opened their mouth wide as for the spring rain. Drinking it in. They were just drinking in his wisdom. If I mocked at them, they didn't believe it. In the light of my countenance, 
they did not cast down. Now, I don't know what he's saying there. I don't know if he was saying when I'd horse around with them, they were like, no, no, because you never talked to us that way. Or if I did ever have to choose somebody out, they didn't believe that I was actually doing that. It actually stunned them, you know, kind of thing. Well, boy, I don't know which he's going with there. I chose the way for them and sat as chief. In other words, I directed the civil activities of our community. So I dwelt as a king in the army, as one who comforts mourners, verse 30, or chapter 30. But now they mock at me, men younger than I, whose fathers I disdain to put with the dogs of my flock. Indeed, what profit is the strength of their hands to me? Their vigor has perished. They are gaunt from want and famine, fleeing late into the wilderness, desolate and waste. Who pluck mallow by the bushes and broom tree roots for their food. They were driven out from among men. They shouted at them as at a, as at, at a thief. They had to live in the clefts of the valleys, in caves of the earth and the rocks, among the bushes they brayed, under the nettles they nested. They were sons of fools, yes, sons of vile men. They were scourged from the land, and now I am their taunting song. He's just showing the distance. I think some people find themselves in prison because they've made poor choices. They had it all, and they mourned the loss of it, and they made some bad decisions, sinned, and find themselves in prison. Job's not one of those people, though. Job has just had this happen to him. For some reason, I mean, this is how I would put it today in our in our vernacular for some reason there's no respect anymore there's no people don't wait to hear what i have to say anymore people in fact my three friends can come alongside of me and chew me out and they don't even know what's wrong but they're willing to do it they're willing to chew me out make me feel bad maybe bring me to repentance even though i have nothing to repent of that's the tough thing talk about a, a humbling moment it's one thing to be humbled because of your own decision it's another thing to be humbled just because. Just because God chose you to lose everything. Because what people apparently associated with your wisdom was your wealth, your strong family. Whatever it was that caused them to respect Job, the only thing that's been taken, wisdom hasn't been taken from him. All that's been taken from him is his health. Now he's sick. He doesn't have any money. And his family's all dead, except for his wife. You know, so now nobody listens to him and now everybody makes fun of him. In fact, he says here that they use his name as a byword. So, so now you've been, you become the definition of something, you know, of these vile men that, that, that everybody knows who they are. I'm beneath them now. And they say, man, you know, look, he pulled a job, you know, or whatever the byword might be or the way they used it. Job's a byword now. No honor, no respect, nothing. It's all been taken from him. Because he has loosed my bowstrings and afflicted me, and they have cast off restraint before me. At my right hand, the rabble arises. They push away my feet. They raise against me their way of destruction. They break up my path. They promote my calamity. They have no helper. Ever have anybody promote your calamity? What that is, right? It's gossip. They're promoting it. 
Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? No, but do we need to promote it? You know, I don't know. So-and-so wants it promoted. Anyway, they're promoting it. Look at Job over there. They come as a, a, a broad, uh, come as broad breakers. Under the ruinous storm, they roll along. Terrors are turned upon me. They pursue my honor as the wind. And my prosperity has passed like a cloud. And now my soul is poured out because of my plight. The days of affliction take hold of me. My bones are pierced in me at night. And my gnawing pains take no rest. By great force, my garment is disfigured. It binds me about the collar of my coat. He has cast me into the mire, and I have become like dust and ashes. I cry out to you, but you do not answer me. I stand up, and you, and you regard me. But you become cruel to me. With the strength of your hand, you oppose me. You lift me up to the wind and cause me to ride on it. You spoil my success. For I know that you will bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Surely he would not stretch out his hand against a heap of ruins, for they cry out when he destroys it. Have I not wept for him who was in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? But when I looked for good, evil came to me. And when I waited for light, then came darkness. My soul is in turmoil and I cannot rest. Days of my affliction confront me. I go about mourning, but not in the sun. I stand up in the assembly and cry out for help. I am a brother of jackals and a companion of ostriches. My skin grows black and falls from me. My bones burn with fever. My harp is turned to mourning and my flute to the voice of those who weep. Oof. We have... Um, we have emotions. Some things make us happy. Some things make us sad. And what's interesting is those emotions are exact opposites, right? But everybody can experience those same two emotions, whether you're the poorest of the poor, or the richest of the rich, you can still have those emotions. It just takes something different to invoke them. You know, a poor person who's never tasted candy could taste sugar for the first time maybe in their entire lives and be euphoric with happiness, whereas we would think that was, that doesn't even, that doesn't even start with me, you know. We have a favorite food maybe or something that might bring a smile to our face, but nothing like that. I can't believe how overjoyed this person is at a piece of candy, you know. It's a threshold thing. It's a difference. Job is at a place where that threshold is very low. Anything would be relieving to him. Any kind of pain relief would be accepted, you know. I'm not asking for complete healing. I'd just like to not hurt half as bad today as I did yesterday or whatever. There's just a difference in threshold. He is at the lowest of low, and what is uh, befuddling him, what's causing him to have such anxiety is as he described some of his works, which he has never done thus far. You know, it's only now that he began. I used to take care of the fatherless. I used to take care of the widow. I used to help people that were in the jaws of, uh, you know, uh, injustice. I'd break the fangs off. I was me. I would do that. And he finds himself in the same position as the people that he helped. There's no one to help him. You know, he says, I'm waiting for it. I said, when I looked for good, evil came to me. I'm kind of hoping for some grace, some mercy, some help, some relief. 
The people have taken it. Remember when it says he's in an ash heap? Well, that's outside. The community that he would raise or you know lead and sit at the gates in, and they would honor, and everybody thought, oh, here comes Job. You know, Job's the greatest. And well, now that he's got this disease, they've got him out on the ash heap. That's where they burn the garbage. That's where they burn all the stuff. He's outside the gates. That's where he's left. We got quarantine. We don't know what he's got. Put him out there. I don't want that in here. Is anybody going to come? Well, the only people that are out here are the guys that are sleeping under the briar bushes. And, you know, these are the, these are the guys that we kicked out when I was in charge, you know, and they're all, I'm beneath them now. They make fun of me, or at least I'm not Job. It's the, the depth that he's fallen to, he's, he's learning here. And so when God begins to speak again here in a few chapters, when he begins to open up his mouth and share with him, we see that, that overjoyed moment for, for him. To have that fellowship back again. And so, and that's what we're, I'm not going to do 30. You, know, you were wondering, oh, is he going to keep going? Or 31. Um, no, I think we better stop there. Three chapters is plenty to smelt, you know, uh, to process. But did you, did you feel how it flowed? Can you tell where Job is now in his mind and in his heart? Can you tell it's a lot different than the argument he has with the three guys around him? It's if they've disappeared and even God, in some ways, is not being accused of anything. I mean, he did, he did say, you know, you brought this on me. But he's not, like, angry about it. He's just saying, I, I'm just trying to process everything that's happening right now. And he's talking about things that he's learned in the past, and he's using those things, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come. It's going to help. And I, I guess as a, as a pastor, as a teacher, as we're sitting in a classroom here, in a sense, that's what I hope everybody takes away from this. I know I did when I was studying with him. Is that there needs to be that time with this word that God has shared with us from and every time he shares this word with us to let it work in us, not just to, I showed up at class, you know. Um, I did the material. I truly want to come away from that moment in the classroom where the professor was trying to give me the information and I want to know it like the professor knows it, you know? I want to use it. I want to be smarter, not just I don't want to gather the information. I want to be trained by it. I want it to be I want to be different and and Job is in that place right now finally because that's exactly what the last four chapters talk about. Yes, you were a righteous man. Yes, I nominated you. Yes, there was nobody better on the whole earth. And yet, I still needed to teach you some stuff. And this stuff I need to teach you can only come by these ways. And he's finally into that place now. He's getting to that place where he's like, he's getting it. He's beginning to process it. All of us need that. Some of the things that we're going through, that you're going through, cannot be taught any other way. It's difficult. It's hard. You probably love to go back to the class, the 101 classes, you know, of Christianity. You know, I'm just not going to cuss today. That's my goal. Not going to swear today. That was, that's 101, you know. Some of you are in the 400s now, and they're hard. Some of you are in graduate courses, very focused, you know, very specialized, and you can only learn these things that God has for you in these ways that God is bringing to you. And as hard as it is, and as hurtful or as painful as it may be, there's, 
getting to that place of letting him speak to you there is just a wonderful thing. And that's when graduation takes place from that class. That's where I leave today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Job's heart. We thank you for his example. We thank you that he's going through this and not us in some ways. We, we would never be able to take all that he's going through, but we'll, we get some of it. Help us to learn everything we need to learn from him and for what you did for him. It's not to him. It's what you're doing for him. He's going to have an even better life than what he feels was taken from him when this is all over. He will excel, Lord. We see that in your word. We see him going above and beyond. He's a completely different man. Even though he was a righteous man before, he's even better afterwards. And so, God, we carefully but wholeheartedly place our lives in your hands. There is no better place for us than to be in the maker's hands, in your hands. Would you mold us and make us into who you want us to be? Would you press where it needs to be pressed? Would you form what needs to be formed? Would you take away what needs to be taken away? And would you help us to become the vessels that you want us to be? The, the end result, not, I don't want to be an ashtray. I don't want to be, you know, I want to be a masterpiece. And uh, as just a lump of clay, all I can do is place myself in your hands and let you do that. So God, would you do that for all of us? Make us into these beautiful vessels you've designed for us or plans for us, Lord, that we might uh, fulfill your purposes. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need any prayer before you go, please come up and be glad to pray with you.